Spoiler alert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. Alrighty, so today we are doing White Ivy by Susie Yang. It was a lively discussion. You guys will really enjoy it. So without further ado, Pull up a seat, sit back, relax, and welcome to Book Club. Welcome to Book Club. Today we're doing White Ivy by Susie Yang. I picked this book because I felt like it had things that we hadn't touched on before. So first thoughts about this book. Erin, you want to go first? Well, so since um, Rufus hasn't signed on yet, I'm going to give her typical commentary in the sense that like, if you really like or really dislike a character, then the author did a really good job, right? So um, <laughs> I will okay. say as much as I like, I was mortified by pieces of this book in the sense of like, she plans, I mean, I don't can I give spoilers? Yeah, yeah, we're going to do spoilers okay. because everyone's read it. I mean, okay. Yeah, let's do spoilers. She murders this poor guy in cold blood. And yeah, that's just like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And uh, I felt like her character was really shallow, but the author elicited a lot of feelings from me in that. So I feel like that the writing was excellent. Erin, I'm going to cut you off here and I'm just going to say, poor guy poor guy he was like I'm sorry I mean a guy can't take no for an answer okay granted okay we'll talk more about that all right uh, Dr. Healy let's talk about your first thoughts because this is gonna be a heated discussion let's not be on mute let's just have this sort of all record it'll be fun I have, I have the feeling so, yes. Um, I, I, had a, I had a similar impression to, to Aaron. I, uh, I, I, I had a lot of emotions. <laughs> so it's like, do I, did I like it? Did I not like it? Well, I don't know. There was a little bit of both. <laughs> so there were parts of it that I liked and there was parts of it I just wanted to like reach through the book and like strangle her. Um, and, and, and there were parts that I was like, wow, I really feel sorry that, you know, she had all this childhood trauma and clearly she's not healing from this this trauma and I wish that she would heal from this trauma and then she gets to the end and she's like nope I'm going to completely disregard all of my true feelings put that mask on and I'm going to dive back into my trauma and I was like oh, that's disappointing but okay <laughs> you know and, and sometimes people just can't you know process things but anyway I good writing because clearly I had this whole emotional journey on this and I I loved Rue by the way he was my favorite character really Rue um, okay okay what am I missing here because <laughs> Okay, first off, first off, Ivy, I didn't like her, okay? Don't, don't think I am empathizing or rooting for the protagonist or rooting for a murderer. I am not. I didn't like her. I agree, shallow as heck. And she's just, I was like, that scene after the proposal or just, no, just before the proposal and she's like, with Gideon and then she sleeps with Rue. I'm like, what are you doing? So Ivy's very shallow and self-centered and she's going after what she wants. And a lot of it is again, sex, okay? That's her relationship with Rue. Now, Rue, you really liked Rue. I don't know, he was shady. He was shady and he's just like, I want Ivy, I want Ivy. And then if he was really that great, he would have walked out. The right decision for Rue to make would be to say, Ivy, you know what? I'm done. But no, he was vindictive. Not only 
am I not going to walk out like a gentleman? What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you all down because I can't handle it. I don't like it. I mean, it's like, get over yourself, okay? I, I disagree. Um, okay. So yeah, I so my my impression of kind of the emotional struggle that these characters were having, and include you guys, we might have read it differently. But um, my impression was that Ivy has this emotional trauma in her. It seems like she wanted something. She wanted some security, and she thought that some that marrying Gideon Gideon was going to get this security that she wanted. It, but that didn't seem like what she truly felt in her heart was true for her and so rue to me represented that that truth that self-knowledge that like taking the mask off and, and being your own person because that's what he was like he had he had no filters he had no masks what you saw was what you got and i think that his journey was that he did truly love her and he was trying to get her to see that it was safe for her to take that mask off. She could feel her feelings. She could, you know, be involved and she could love him. Um, like it seemed like part of her wanted to, but she kept turning back towards, no, but this, but I need, you know, I need this emotional security that Gideon is giving me. I need the, this like societal position that Gideon is giving me. Cause that's what, you know, I'm, I'm striving for in my, um, uh, in my family and in my life. Um, and so, uh, that's why I, I was kind of disappointed in her character and I kept hoping that she was going to be like, you know what, I'm just going to come into myself, I'm going to face my trauma, I'm going to, you know, um, feel what's in my heart and I'm going to, you know, go with the person that I that I love, that emotion, that um, kind of brings these emotions out um, in me, which was Rue, rather than someone who wants me to like, you know, play this role like Gideon seems to want to. Um, it, it didn't seem like there was any kind of passion or real like interaction or love between her and Gideon. And clearly at the end, when we learned that Gideon was having a relationship with his his friend, I mean, it, 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 it surprised me that she didn't even see enough of Gideon to know that that was happening until the end. And yet they had been together for so long and supposedly been intimate. And, and, and it just surprised me that that was the marriage that she wanted was someone where, where two people that clearly had no idea what the other person or who the other person was that were just playing these roles. I think, anyway, that's my thoughts. Well, no, I think what she wanted was not a marriage. What she wanted was society and money. And I also think that came from her childhood and her parents trying to push her and push her and she just couldn't get that out of her head and she was like, the right thing is society and money and forget happiness. There were moments with Rue. She was really, she loved Rue, but um, Rufus, welcome. We're all unmuted because we okay. started off, it, it just started off great. So go for it. We're just arguing with each other. Go for it. First thoughts, just just go, just go. First thoughts, whatever. Oh, I was just gonna talk about. Um, you said something uh, about that she she didn't want to marry. She wanted a, a rich life. I I want to say that when it comes to wanting a good life, she was like her mother, but she did not have that in her to work hard for it. And I think Rue also says that you, I mean, in not kind of rephrasing that you want shortcuts and you don't know, you've never worked hard. Uh, so I think there are some traits from the mom, but she was not like them in the way. And I know they were like selfish too. And they were also like, you know, let's step on the ladder and all that. But um, she um, didn't have that in her. That's my take on that and I just heard a little bit about Rue and I gotta say that of all the people in the book of don't all the say characters. you liked him just don't just don't but okay go ahead sorry liking or not liking of all the people I think Andrea and he were the only honest people when it came to uh I mean they were bluffer he was a bluffer he was doing whatever he was doing but I gotta say that he definitely was uh, he and Andrea, the friend, Ivy's friend, were probably the on, only honest people, just like uh, Dr. Jen said, no filters or, you know, I think in terms of emotional honesty, they were the only ones. Gideon, we don't know what 
was the matter with the whole family, you know, even uh, Ivy's parents had their own motives or whatever, you know, and then same with um, Sylvia, especially, <laughs> she had her own agenda about life and all that. And, uh, but um, I have to say that I kind of liked him. I actually liked him. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? This is crazy. You guys are three over three against one. And I'm kind of like, I'll be very honest. I'm I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I have to read this book again. I am missing something major. I think what, okay, I am fixating on Rue threatening Ivy mm-hmm. and the ultimatum he gave her and all of that. I think somewhere that one piece of information takes away from everything. I, that's what it is for me, essentially. To and, me, it uh, seemed like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were- No, 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 go, go. And then Aaron can go, go. Okay, oh, oh. Uh, I just wanted to say that to me, it seemed like that Rue kind of had a better understanding of Ivy than Ivy herself. To me, that's how Ivy's life should have been. He, she definitely loved Rue, she didn't love, Gideon and Rue could probably see through Ivy more than even her parents exactly what she uh, was capable of doing or not capable of doing her LSATs to her be you know the way she wanted to live her life Um, so I and he was the fallback for Ivy quite a few times and I don't know I don't think that uh, just him saying or giving the ultimatum I mean why would he not give the ultimatum to me it seemed like I was we was using her him so he probably had a right to say okay you know either be done with me or you know and he understood that why was she getting if if Ivy was in love with Gideon then I would say Rue is probably you know and if Rue was not in love with Ivy then I could probably see that he was being selfish or whatever but in that triangle I to me the the best thing was Ivy and Rue together (laughs) I don't know I just I felt that I don't know I just felt that okay when she says no I know I know I it's three against one today it's three against one I feel bad no no I just felt that okay I get it Ivy was wrong Ivy loved Rue and then she she didn't go after what she wanted, but it's not Rue's place to fix Ivy. It's not his place to be like, hey, you need this in your life. You love me. You have this is you. No, it doesn't matter. Sometimes if she wants to jump off the well or jump off the high rise, whatever, I'm sorry. That's just, I don't know. I, I just. And Rue's character felt a little shady to me also. And I'm not just going to be like, oh, but he loved her and she loved them and they were passionate together. I mean, forget it. I just, this whole book, all the characters, I hated them all. They can all freaking go to H-E double hockey sticks. Okay, Erin, your turn. <laughs> I was just going to say, so I, I think they are all flawed. I agree. And so I don't think any single person one of those characters was perfect so to expect her like this was never going to be the fairy tale perfect girl falls in love with a perfect guy like that was not ever going to be this story and I at first I was angry with him putting the ultimatum on her because I felt like well that's just kind of like I don't know like bullyish but then I got that you know yeah I think he did have a right to say like get rid like be done with me or don't like, don't keep me on the line because it's, he did have feelings for her and he really did care about her. I though, after, so I did not see the ending about Gideon having the relationship with his friend. Was his name Tyler? I can't remember his name. Tom. Tom. Okay. So with Tom, I didn't, I did not see that coming. And then when I saw that, I was like, maybe, maybe Rue knew all along actually that Gideon was having a relationship with Tom because Rue makes a comment about Like it's his job to read people, to know people. He sort of like anticipates people, right? And like their actions and motivations. And he's really good at reading Ivy, but he's all, and he's also good at reading Andrea. So I don't know, you know, Andrea could have shared with him, but he also had been around the family a lot. So chances are he knew what was going on with Gideon, or even if he didn't know for a fact, then he had suspicion. 
And so then looking back at the situation about the ultimatum and like saying, I'm going to tell Gideon, if you don't tell him, I'm going to tell him by the, you know, if you don't tell him by this date, I'm going to tell him myself. I think that was his, I think that was Rue's way of trying to get her to talk to Gideon and, and like, even just like have like a normal communication in a relationship. <laughs> and then I think she would have, if she would have done that, then she, I do not think that Gideon would have continued to hide his relationship with Tom. Maybe he would have hid his relationship specifically to Tom, but he, I think he would have, you know, come clean that like he didn't really love Ivy like that. And if she really had strong feelings for another person, Rue or whoever, that she should move forward with that. Like, I don't think, I never saw Gideon as being somebody that would put himself in front of her happiness intentionally. I think he just felt like, well, she hasn't found her happiness and um, she can help cover for me because I can't face who I am as a person. And so, you know, it helps. We both, she gets what she wants, which he perceives as being status from a particular kind of money because let's be real rue had money if that was all she wanted was money rue had money now you're right yes exactly but he did gain it in maybe some unconventional ways okay but but, but legal, ivy legal wanted, ways. but they were legal but, <laughs> but ivy wanted status also yes and that's what rue didn't have and gideon had that and also i will tell you that if rue suspected that oh yeah Gideon's gay I don't see that in Rue's character to hide that from Ivy there would have been a huge blowout and he'd have been like go back to Gideon because he's sleeping with Tom anyway go back to your Gideon and go live your freaking life I don't he think he would have been that, that mean about it I really don't know that he would have outed somebody like oh, that God. I, I don't I don't, I don't know and have. also I just feel like we can talk after the fact that, oh, she should have just gone and just bared her soul to Gideon. So Gideon, I'm so sorry. The night you, you know, you proposed, I was having an affair with Rue. And then Gideon would be like, oh, sweetheart, it's okay. Because I'm sleeping with Tom. This one, we know, we predict this. And that is what would have happened. But we predict this because we know what happened at the end. In the middle of the book, I'm thinking, oh, God, if you tell him, um, what do you want? Do you want, if you want Gideon, stick with Gideon. Because if you tell him, this is done. We only know this at the end of the book when Gideon ends up being gay. And I will tell you, I think this is a... Uh, this is a Shanaz author theory that Susie Yang probably just wrote this book and maybe Gideon was not gay and he was just friends with Tom. I'm making this up. I do not know. I haven't read any interviews by her or I haven't contacted her. So I don't know. But maybe when the book goes through like developmental editors and stuff and her editor might have been like, you know what would be good revenge? is at the end to find out that Gideon is gay with Tom. Are you able to write that into the book? And Susie Yang probably said, huh, I like that idea. And so she did that, is what my theory mm -hmm. is. But hey, what do I know? Like I said, this hey. is completely unverified, okay? So whoever's listening to this, no, I do not know this is a fact. I have not spoken with Susie Yang. So please do not be like, this is what she did. I do not know, but this is just my theory. Yeah. To me, it seems like where the book was going and I hadn't, because at one point Ivy says that, is this love? And he, I, and I don't remember exactly, but it was, she says that about Gideon and Tom, is this love? Uh, I remember that and I, that that's where I thought, okay, I think that's, they are, there is a relationship. But more than that, you know, where I thought the revenge, as you call it, would be a, an incest between mm -hmm. Sylvia and Gideon. I thought that's what the family was hiding. I thought that's where Sylvia, Sylvia was like, if I find a, a sister-in-law who 
is not from my community, maybe I can, you know, whatever, because they dropped, she, the author drops hints many times about their relationship, you know, from since childhood. And um, so that's where I thought it was going to go. But I had in mind about the gay thing as well, because she, uh, say, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ivy gets upset when Tom says that you can't wait to be knocked up. And Gideon does not protect her. And that's what made her really mad that you know why. So there were kind of things which showed that, you know, Gideon was, and Gideon was portrayed as a nice person who probably didn't like conflict anyway. So he would have not gone for that. But I, I just thought that they were gonna go with another dirty secret of the family. And that's what I thought. But you know what I really thought, <laughs> found funny in the whole story was, and like you said, Shanaz, everybody was lying and all that, but that doesn't take us, uh, and uh, you know, the way Rue earned the money, that doesn't take his right to fall in love. And not only honest people have to fall in love and you don't always have to fall in love with the honest person. So, I mean, it is life and none of them is honest. Nobody's 100% honest in or out of the book. So what I found funny was that both the parties, Ivy and Gideon's family, were getting in this marriage based on tons of lies and secrets and you know so I to me it seemed like it was a good match that way <laughs> love or not love but they served each other right and I love the part in the end when when Ivy threatened Sylvia about and she openly says that you know I always told Rue that you were whatever I don't remember so she tells her that yes I had an affair with Rue and I was sleeping with him or whatever but um, she also shows the control on Sylvia. So I thought that was a nice part. So in a way, so, uh, Ivy was always trying to kind of lie and all that. But she also says at that around that time in the book towards the end that I'm never going to be kind of trying to make people happy because throughout she'd been trying to make Gideon happy, his family happy and everybody. So she, I think that was her good way or bad way but that was her moment of like she rose at that time okay you know what I'm not gonna let somebody bully me or railroad me or something and you know again we can judge and we can say that she was a liar and all that but that I mean we all have our insecurities we all have our learning um, moments and that was or, or I want to say more like you know moments where we kind of become somebody else and everything aside, I, I like that moment where she goes like, I'm not going to try to make people happy now. Like, this is my time to take control. And she did it beautifully with Selva. So I, I kind of, you know, those are my few here and there stuff. <laughs> did she have any other options other than murdering Rue? Uh, um, I think Rue wouldn't have done anything. Yes, annoying, he would have. And knowing yes, that he, he would have Ivy. To me, I I don't know. I thought Drew was more of a gentleman than Gideon when it comes to that. That's how I look at it. Again, just because he was dishonest or earned money in a shady way does not make it. I mean, there are two different things. It was the way he was threatening her and the way he wasn't responding to phone calls and he was being very serious. It's even on the hike, even on the, the hike, week. it was like, okay, Ivy, I'm done with this game. I... You know, he was he was serious about it. I don't I do not think mm. he, all of you are like, no, Rue would have never done it. Yes, I think he, he was pushing Ivy. I think he was just pushing Ivy. I don't know. I think I really loved his I, I thought I really liked his love for Ivy. It, it was very romantic, very sexy, very and it, they portrayed him as a very handsome guy and a kind of like a rough, tough kind of a guy. And I I don't know. <laughs> I like that a lot. You like bad boys. I see. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated his honesty. So like, yeah, he was kind of rough and tumble, but like he, he, he was not hiding anything. Like he would tell what? you exactly what he thought. He was very open with, with his feelings. And I think when it came down to it in the end, he loved her and he was struggling and he's like, I, I need to either get myself out of the situation or because it's going to hurt me or you need to figure out that you really do love me. And I think the ultimatum that he gave her was really a way for, for 
to put the decision in her hands. And, and I don't know if he knew what direction she was thinking about going. I don't think he clearly expected to like be pushed off a cliff. Right. But um, I, I don't know that he knew if she was going to choose Gideon or him, but I feel like he needed that closure one way or the other. Um, so, yeah. so I, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I didn't expect her to push anybody off a cliff um, until uh-huh. she started dyeing her hair. And I was like, Oh, what's that about? <laughs> right. So. That was very, that was a very, I mean, there were quite a few parts in the book that were like, you know, it was, kind of oh. full of surprises and twists and turns and I like that part of the book yeah. I was I don't know I have to say though Shanaz you asked did she have any choice okay let's okay. be let's be real about the stakes of the situation Rue did not threaten to kill her or harm her physically so like he threatened to what tell somebody that they were having a relationship which was the truth of the situation and so she perceived that that was going to ruin her life and so she would rather take his life than to face the consequences of her reality so i'm just saying like yes she definitely had other choices that she could have made because he was not threatening her life he really wasn't and like yeah okay it would be devastating for that relationship to end now we know it was gonna like never be the relationship that she thought it was anyway but it it would be devastating for her relationship with Gideon to end especially because she saw that as like like you know the penultimate of her existence but she if if it was ruined she was still gonna be alive and she could still find happiness she could recover and find happiness didn't Rue Rue abuse her at one point? Didn't Rue abuse her at one point? I mean, he got physical and I didn't like that, but nobody's perfect, but he did not. He got physical a little bit. Oh, nobody's perfect. I love Rue. I mean, oh my gosh. No. When is it ever acceptable for a guy to get I don't remember the context. You're right. I don't care. But I don't remember the context of the situation. I don't care. I think, the, no, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Shanaz, but what Ivy was doing to him was also not good. I, I am not it. here. Hey, listen, I'm not defending Ivy in any way, shape or form. Okay. You're I'm not defending Rui. Even. <laughs> I'm not defending Ivy at all. Ivy was a total whatever. Okay. I mean, they yeah. both should have just freaking died off that cliff. Yeah. And that would have been an interesting ending in its own way. Yeah. Whatever that message would have been. But I'm just saying, you guys, I, at least I feel like you guys are venerating Rue and you are like, oh, I love Rue and all of that. And I'm just pointing out that, yeah, he was open with his feelings. Yeah, he loved her, but there was a certain amount of possessiveness about how he loved Ivy. And that's what I see in Rue. I mean, it's like nobody's perfect. I guess I'm seeing a lot of the bad side of Rue and you guys are, I'm, I'm only seeing the bad side of Rue and you guys are, I felt, only seeing the good side of Rue. There is that balance, but I just want you also to see that Yeah, there was a moment he got very angry and he got physical. That was also a part of him. What if, what if Ivy did marry Rue and what if his behavior became this possessive? Why were you looking at that guy? No, I wasn't looking at that guy and he became abusive. What if, I'm just throwing it out. I'm not even saying that she should have married Rue. I'm just saying like, she probably shouldn't have killed Rue. Yeah, that's kind of my. I'm not defending murder, okay? I'm not defending. I personally think she should have married Rue. I personally think she should have married Rue. I was just thinking that if given the choice, I don't know. Gideon to me did not have any personality, any valor to him, anything. In contrast, I mean, Rue was a person that she went to when she knew him, and then considering the way he grew up, his mom, and everything. I mean, a person, I don't know, I, again, Jana's going to say, I, <laughs> but given the choices, I would never have picked Gideon. I have one thing to say, and I know, Erin, um, you were about to say something, but I just want to say one thing that even if Ivy had told Gideon about the affair, the marriage would not have been called off. 
Gideon and his family, they would not have done it. And it happens a lot in the ultra high class where the package is a package and not that Ivy was a package, but to them she was because he was hiding something in his, he apparently everybody knew or whatever, why could he not find the girl in his own class? That was something that was never understood. And there were a lot of things going on that he probably was not successful in having any kind of relationship. Some other secrets, I want to say there were more secrets than Tom. Uh, definitely. And he would not have, or his mom or Sylvia would not have let this marriage fall off, even if they had told. The book reminded me a lot of uh, another book by Julian Fellows, and I'm trying to remember, Snobs. Yes, if you, it's, you know, kind of the, the way she entered into that class, the, the one, you know, whatever uh, some percentage or whatever, uh, that's how she did. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of that. Julian Fellows can write. So I haven't read that book, but Julian Fellows can write. Amazing. Yes. I love his books. This book kind of also reminded me a little bit of, was it White Tiger? The one set in in India and then he kills Mm -hmm. his benefactor at the end. Um, It it reminded me a lot of that kind of situation. It also reminded me of Namesake from beginning because it was, it started as if a very innocent book of an immigrant family, the way you know, oh, spoiler alert, kid. I haven't done namesake. Okay. So it's kind of basically namesake is much lighter book about immigrants. Okay. It's from Bang- the parents are from Bangladesh and they come here and the, the way they're just to the culture, there's no killing or anything there, but okay, good. it kind of, I thought <laughs> that's where I know I thought that's where the book was going, but the way it twisted and you know, it, you really forget. I mean, I initially thought that she, they, the writer did not put enough emphasis on her love for Gideon between the time they were separated. And I kept on thinking as a flaw or as a, something that I, you know, I wish she had talked about Gideon a lot. But once the book gets past that, you forget about those little things. The book is so engaging and the book is so, you know, and I don't know if you liked it, Shinaz, or not. I, I think I missed that. Discussion, I love the book. No, we haven't, I love we haven't book. gotten the rating or any, we have, okay. we, right. you actually joined in just when we started. You joined oh, okay. in about cool, cool. three minutes right. after we oh, okay. started or awesome, something. Awesome. So you didn't miss okay. anything. Yeah, yeah. But so, I love the book overall. I okay. thought it was. Um, what are your thoughts about the grandmother training her to be a thief? What were your feelings about it? I'm just, I'm still not. Okay. I, I still have throw up in, in my throat really? from that. Because I was like, it made me laugh and it was kind of endearing and it reminded me of relationships with my grandparents and great grandparents like my grandma um so so there was this I guess okay so in the church that she was in alcohol was not allowed but she came from a family that like they brewed their own beer and it was like a thing it was a whole thing and she talks about how one day um so they brewed their own beer in their bathtub and so she was brewing the beer and they only have one bathroom in their little farmhouse. And the pastor comes by to visit to check on them. Oh no. And he he needed to use the bathroom. And he's <laughs> like, Can I use the bathroom? And my oh, grandma's no. like, I had to t- I had to lie to the pastor. <laughs> I had to tell him that the toilet was out of order because I couldn't have him walking in there and seeing all the beer in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> that is you know amazing. So, <laughs> so you know, they it reminded me of that and it reminded me of like my great grandpa he used to um he had a still like back during prohibition and they ran um false bottom wagons that's how they made their live well part of how they made their living they would run um whiskey and moonshine in these false bottom wagons Mm -hmm. and sell it in the big city so he would sell it in like Springfield Missouri and then in St. Louis and Kansas City and they'd even go all the way up to Chicago and and so it was like a whole there was like a whole group of the of his cousins that did this with him and his buddies and he a couple more than one time kidnapped an ATF agent that was out like trying to find his stills and and he never hurt them but he would have one of his buddies or family members uh take their vehicle and dump it in the city and then he would um take the the ATF agent and tie them up in a canoe and send them down the river and they were like they would be found later, but like you know, down the river. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Erin, so, I just want to yeah. know what have you done based <laughs> on these stories? Because you're justifying, oh yeah, it's fine, it's so endearing. 
so exactly how many agents mm. have you tied up and sent down the river? My question None, to you. But I'm going to say that I definitely had my wild days and I, I definitely have done things that my family would be like, that's fine. Like, that's just, you didn't, nobody was harmed in the making of this blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so <laughs> I have definitely traded some food for homemade wine in maybe some dry counties. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. was never anything that was harmful. But it, that's just like, you know, when I guess it didn't seem that off to me. I was like, oh, I don't look know. at that girl. It's- She's just teaching her how to survive. And I feel like that's what, this, that's what these stories were talking about from my grandparents too, like that they survived that way. They sold that. They made money off of that in times that were hard. So I don't know if I, I just, I didn't look at it like you're trying to teach her to survive. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you, woman? You God, don't stop talking to her. Just stop. Teach. What are you teaching your granddaughter? Are you seriously teaching her to steal? What is wrong with you? Just because you're a kleptomaniac, don't make her that. I just, I don't know. I did not appreciate it at all. I was just like, oh my gosh. See, then again, I don't have that kind of, I think it's because I don't have that kind of relationship with my grandparents. So they didn't have moonshine or I don't have that story, I guess, or those kind of stories. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe if I grew up with rebellious grandparents and I heard about the crazy wild stories and they asked me to become rebellious and I did become that, maybe I would, I would have found it endearing, but I, I did find the grandmother clueless though, because I was like, listen, that was China. This is America. I mean, seriously, woman, it's different country. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's, um, if she wasn't teaching her rebellious, I think it's more like, you know, sur- like survival skills to her best knowledge, that's how she learned. And she did not learn English till end, if you see that. I mean, she barely started. So it's got nothing to do with she was in China. I mean, we have Chinatowns where people don't even probably, they don't come out of that Chinatown half their lives, they live there, they die there. I mean, even California and wherever we have and people don't learn to speak another language. So it's not about that. It's about that's how she thought she survived and she was just passing on that skill to her daughter, to her granddaughter. <laughs> Although she, Ivy took that from her that if she could kill a man, <laughs> maybe I should kill her. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's like, hey, I'm gonna call grandma hey, grandma, I'm thinking about killing someone. <laughs> so have you, have you, have, ever, you ever have you ever killed someone? Yeah. I mean, like, I I mean, like, you You're ever- laughing right now. My great grandma's sister did yeah. prison time for shooting their aunt. Like she, yeah. or the aunt survived. She didn't die. But yeah. like, yeah, 1920 something. She, yeah. So like my family's got all these crazy stories. This doesn't yeah. seem crazy to me. You're laughing and I don't Aaron, like, it's not crazy. Erin, write the book. Seriously, <laughs> write the book. Yeah. It doesn't have to be called White Ivy. It could be called whatever, but write the book. I mean, oh my gosh, that's, but okay. I think it is the sheltered princess entitled white west county in me right that's very like oh again rule following all of that personality is just where it's just the concept of hey i'm gonna pick up the phone erin um so i'm thinking about murdering so and so have you ever murdered anyone before Oh yeah, I have. Who? Oh, really? What happened? Oh, that's cool. So you have murdered someone. All right. Hey, it's great talking to you. Click. And then I go murder someone. You would do that because you're not, I mean. I know, but I'm just saying. Do you you can't take that episode and put it in your life. None of us would do that. You know, we had killers in family, but we're not going to do that. It's, I I just think that you're right about rule following, but you know, you know, maybe we should read more books that can open your mind about. I think so. I, yeah, because that's why we have book club. I know that's why we have book club. But I really, really like to hear, Doctor Jen. What did you think about the grandma? Uh, I thought 
I, I agree with Erin. I think she was teaching her to survive. What I was really surprised by at the end was the mom's real story about the man that she had loved. And she was like, oh yeah, I saw him kissing some other girl behind the tree. So I had his whole family sent to a death camp. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like, you know, shoplifting some lipstick is nothing compared to, you know, sending somebody's whole family to, to, to be slaughtered. So I don't know. I, I think right. the grandma was teaching her to survive as, as best that she could. Uh, I, w I was surprised by the mom and I was also surprised that grandma wasn't really aware of everything that had happened and how that had all gone down because she was completely oblivious. The story that she had told Ivy at the beginning was nothing like the story that mom told at the end. Right. So. And Ivy says at one point that she always thought her grandma was more I don't exactly remember the words, but the grandma was more strong, but it's actually her mom who was more strong. And they, she associated two negative traits with each of them, like one negative trait with each of them. But she was saying some, I, and I think I wrote that quote somewhere, but it was about like, she always thought that mom was weak and grandma was strong, but it's actually opposite. Well, it's different kinds of strength, right? So I don't right. know that, I don't know that, um, repressing all of your love and feelings and desires is necessarily a good kind of strength. I mean, sure, it, it shows some fortitude um, that you're able to like dive into your, you know, coping strategies and completely ignore your feelings. And I feel like that's kind of what mom was doing and Ivy was doing mm -hmm. also. Um, and I, I think, you know, grandma's kind of, of, of fortitude was, was different. Um, and, and same with Rue, you know, he had a rough life too, and his, he had a different kind of strength um, com compared to them. Um, I think it takes, like I said, a different kind of strength to face your true feelings and process your trauma, which is kind of, I think, how Rue progressed um, in his life compared to stuffing it all back down. Um, so it's just, it's just different strengths. True. So here's my question. When Ivy was stealing money from Rue, she, was well, she wasn't stealing it. He was giving it, he was leaving it for her in a way that didn't make her feel guilty. Yeah, but sure, he was leaving it, but ultimately she was stealing it. That's like saying, okay, I'm going to Aaron's home, okay? And Aaron, well, well, wait a minute, or I'm coming to either anyone's home. I'm Dr. Jen, I'm coming to your home, or Aisha, I'm coming, I mean, not Aisha, sorry, Rufus, I'm coming to your home. And you just happen to leave this $100 bill or $300 bill on the counter and you go to the restroom. And then guess what? I come along and I take the money and I put it in my purse. And you know what? I think you just left it there for me to take. So I can just take it without feeling guilty. No, I think that's the opposite. So she thought she was stealing it, but he was leaving it in places for her like to easily access because he knew she needed yeah. money. And that's why I like Rue, that he understood her more than anybody else, you know, that he facilitated her. She, she, he knows that she steals. Mm -hmm. He knows that she has all those vices and he has himself too, but he, um, the, the understanding, the whatever you call it, mutual understanding uh, between them. He could have just given her the money. You think? I don't think she would have taken no? it like that. I don't think that. she would have taken yeah. it either. She was too proud to to take it like that. And also, I think that she was so used to thinking that money given like that had tie, like something tied to it that you know that you yeah. an obligation. Right. And then also the thrill of stealing was in her, even if she didn't need anything, she, it was a habit, it was pathology for her to lie and to steal, you know, so that's how she had it and everyone understood it. So I actually don't like uh, novels or books or movies where the protagonist is actually antagonist, but in this book, I really liked the whole book. Otherwise, I, I just like the hero heroines to be, I mean, not 100% perfect like Shanaz wants them, but... <laughs> no, I don't want 100% perfect. I'm just saying... No, 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 no. I'm just saying, call a spade a spade. Don't tell me that someone who is not 100% perfect is 100% perfect. That's all I'm asking for. Like, I'm not saying I like Ivy, but I'm also saying that Rue is not this... Oh, I love Rue. No. There is so many things in Rue that's just lacking. I'm sorry. I just, 
I just can't get into the real. end result is that we like him you know it's not that we don't um we we because you know how we have to discount the negative sides and then the end result is like you know okay he's that's the end it. result is three of you against one no, little oh me about uh, Rue. That's what the end result is. Oh no! I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying she should have married him because I don't know, but I don't think she should have killed him. I felt bad when he died. We'll put it that way. But what, who would you do? I would never go to Gideon. Yes. So I, I don't know. Okay. I, in my opinion, she should have married him. Gideon was an abusive. He was just going to let her be. There was and nothing in it. <laughs> there was, was no passion. Empty shell of a person. He, there was okay. zero personality. There was zero right. feelings. There so was zero basically, interaction. passion it equates sex. So that's what Rue was. No, no, no. Not necessarily. No, that's not. I think, uh, I don't know. To me, pa- uh, passion it doesn't stop or start there but Gideon just not only it's not about like okay you can't you don't have to have passions or hobbies but he was just like an artificial made-up kind of a person with lots of secrets with no boldness no uh, I mean he the way even he talked to her he kept on saying I mean he kept the secret a huge secret if he and then you know he kept on saying let's just check in and see if you're ready to get married he would never be mad at her I mean I'm just saying honestly you can't how can you live with somebody who can never come to an argument and I I, I also don't like conflict but I don't know I would not want my husband to be that kind of a, always trying to make me happy and not getting into the conflict and not having a personality not I don't know that would never be my choice I agree. I want, I want some realness. I want, I want feelings. I want interaction. I want, you know, even, even some, some challenges or some stimulating conversation. But, you know, if your person that you're supposed to be marrying is like so guarded and so walled off that you have no idea who they really are. You, you don't know what they like. You just know what they say that they like. Like You don't know what they feel. You just know that, well, you know, so-and-so said this about their feelings or they've always played this role in life, but he, he was just like an actor. In, in his life like there was there was nothing um yeah I, I couldn't do it either I, I would take the flawed weirdness the flawed rawness of of Rue any day over that an actor who just happened to you know act perfectly throughout his life I'm just gonna take this book and just smash it against the wall it's making me so angry that's what I want to do forget about Rue like and Ivy I just want to take this book and just be like oh Okay. But, okay. Uh, favorite anything scenes? Anything else about this book? I mean, do we want to talk about scenes or memorable scenes? I read this book about a few months ago, actually. Pushing him off the cliff is obviously a memorable scene. Unfortunately, for me, yeah, the I, go ahead, Griffith. Sorry, it's okay. There were quite a few. Uh, seeing Rue again was memorable, definitely. To me, pushing off the cliff was for sure. I, these two for sure, but there were quite a few. You go ahead, Tenaz. I didn't mean to cut. No, no, it's fine. For me, it was that meeting through that scene where Gideon's totally ignoring Ivy. And finally, she's like, you know what? I'm done with this. And she ends up with Rue and has this wonderful night of passion. And then in the morning, Gideon proposes and she says, yes, that it was like, oh, it's memorable. I don't even know how I process it, mm-hmm. but it was one of those scenes of, oh shit. Oh my gosh, shit. You just slept with Rue. Like what? Yeah, that was like my most memorable scene. Yeah, was that, I thought that scene was so interesting too um, with the symmetry of her previous boyfriend that had left her and he had left her. She, she thought that he was going to be asking her to marry him and then he ended up breaking up with her because he didn't know who she was. And then with Gideon, he asked her to marry him because he didn't know who she was and she didn't know who he was and they were just going to go through their life in mutual oblivion like I think that's what they were both looking for um but I I thought that kind of symmetry contrast was was interesting okay anything else about this book Erin did you tell us your favorite scene you did right or no I said the most memorable was 
the cliff for me. The cliff, the cliff. Yeah, I read it a, um, a while ago too. But I mean, I think that the other thing that stands out to me when she gets sent back to China with the to stay with the cousin and just like getting picked up at the airport and all of the things that she did, that was a very memorable part. Which, not that it like played a big deal in the grand scheme of the plot of the book, but you realize maybe the things that were that she felt was important and the things that, that she felt were missing from her life back in America. Okay. Anything else about this book before we go into cover, title, and rating? Okay. Cover. How would you rate it on a scale of zero to five? I'm going to give it a three because I don't really feel like that I would have looked at that cover and been like, this just grabs me and brings me in so uh you know what I just picked up the book when I didn't look at the cover that much but after reading the book it it definitely suits the story but I don't know how much the cover tells the story so I agree with you Erin that way but I like it after reading the book that it has kind of uh, the girl is really whatever kind of a I didn't understand why was this haze on it. And uh, my question was also why white ivy? What did white mean? That was my... I think it meant uh, she was turning like white. I thought it was a race commentary is what I... I don't know why. I just, I felt it was a race commentary because she's Chinese and she was turning white. That's what I assumed, but I didn't question it. I just to me, thought- it seemed like the lies that make up her life, those like she was as white as a lie. To me, I don't even think even once I thought that there was any racial connotation attached to it. No, I, I thought there was. I thought it was similar to like White Tiger. And, and I don't know if it, it seemed like her kind of goals or aspirations were to, you know, become this high society um, and she talks so much about the traumas of her kind of upbringing and moving from China. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was a racial commentary too, but I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I did not love the cover. Um, I, I looked at it and I was like, I, I think this looks like a romance novel. I think she's trying to be seductive. Um, yeah. And the character herself um, was not. Um, and so I, I didn't feel like it fit. Would you give it on a scale of um, zero to five? Mm, two. Okay. For me, I'm looking at this cover right now. I never liked the cover. I I give it a two also. Didn't understand it, but Dr. Jen, I disagree with you on thinking it's a romance and it was seductive. I was just like, what is this? It was more of a, what is this cover? And... The reason we picked this book, actually, the reason I read it, the way I got exposed to it is because it was one of my Libra FM influencer audiobooks. So I get all these books, I get eight books a month, and I am crazy enough to actually try to listen to, you know, I just go through all of them, I'm trying. So anyway, so I was like, okay, let's try this book. And I was like, oh, because I looked at the cover, like white ivy, what the heck is it? And I loved the... I guess I love the Asian undertone about how Asians want to be, have more proprietary kind of a position in life and trying to go up and have status and things like that. So there was that undertone to it. There was the whole thing of law school and education, which is very stereotypical Asian, you know, so I just was like that those elements were interesting to me, but then the element just really twisted around. You've had Gideon and you had Rue and then that, the hiking. And I'm like, what the, what book is this? And I, you know, so that's kind of where the cover went. Title, White Ivy. Uh, I'll just say, I give the title a two because White Ivy, okay, fine. I don't even know how to process it. I agree. I don't really feel like it told me anything about the book I mean even if it was a commentary on race uh, for the title I still feel like I mean it it just doesn't I don't know it doesn't give you a whole lot to go on without reading the little 
you know, insert on the page on the back page or whatever, I wouldn't have known anything about what this was about. I, I don't know. I and again, I got the book because uh, it, it was recommended for the book club. So I mean, if I would walk by in Barnes and Noble and look at the cover, I don't know how would I feel about the cover or, or the title. But uh, I'm gonna say I didn't. I thought White Ivy. It's catchy. So maybe three to four. I don't think it's something that's totally not attention grabbing. It is to somewhat. But I do want to say to me, it doesn't look like a racial commentary. Uh, and I know Dr. Jenju said that and Shinazu said that too. Um, I don't see anywhere. I mean, I've read books where they constantly talk about Americans do this and Chinese do this or Asians do this or Indians do this. I didn't see any strong opinion about any kind of phrase or her not liking Asians and trying to be like um, Americans or I think the book was more about and it is irrespective of a race to to lie or to uh, try to marry well or try to marry you know using all those things that she did um, in any culture it's possible so I don't think that was culture related that they she just because she was Chinese so she went all the way to get to marry somebody from a high class that can happen to I mean that's uh, probably but not the way I looked at it uh, to me like and I think as you said the same thing it was it seemed like a very innocent immigration novel uh, about immigration about immigrants like namesake or I, I can't remember any but there's so many that we could probably uh, look into and like simple stories about adjusting into another culture. And that's what I would probably say, okay, we're talking about race. We're talking about, oh, I just want to be like a white American or an American, or I don't, I hate my myself being Chinese or yeah. I love being Chinese and I hate these Americans. I mean, I didn't see that. So I don't know, maybe I, to me, it just uh, didn't come across that way at all. Okay. I, I, I seem to remember it from, um, and the reason I was thinking about this was at, more at the beginning when she was in school and they were talking about going to the private school and, and the other kids and how she always wanted to, you know, be like them. She always felt different from, from them. And I, I guess I took her kind of infatuation with, with Gideon mm -hmm. um, as kind of like a symbol of all those things to strive for in, in our society. But I don't know. You're very right. That's what I'm saying. The If that's what the book was about, I would definitely think that too. But the book turns into a lot more than just that. And yeah. to, that's why I, to me, it seems like it's probably about her lying. That's why I wish the bite. I don't know. But then again, maybe it's I both. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who knows? I know. Cool. And um, last question, final thoughts rating the, the final rating on the book and my rating is that I absolutely hated this book so much that I loved it and I give it a five so that that's me just hate it like I want to trash this book against the wall because it just makes me feel so much anger within me and all of that but if a book can do that that book deserves a five if it's written so well to do it so five for me who's going I, next I gave it a three right after I finished but I think I was angry <laughs> <laughs> so like I I I since feel like it's it's more of a four 4.5 like in that range for me the only reason I don't give it a five is because I don't know how many people I'd be like you should go and read this because frankly I'd be like what would they think of me afterwards <laughs> if I was like, ah, this book was so great. But if you like horror books, we'll put it that way. If you like horror thriller, that kind of stuff, you'll love this. It's Wonderful. not horror Lots thriller horror. though. <laughs> I don't know. It's that not one horror scene thriller was though. Like so crazy for me. It's anyway. just, <laughs> it's just a little bit of a thriller. It's a drama thriller I don't even know what genre for women's fiction drama thriller is what it is but it's really not and it's just a messed up book well just because the characters are messed up and so like if I if you want some some psychological drama if you want to watch people unpack or maybe kind of try to avoid unpacking their 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 trauma then yes read this book but I mean part of part of my crate I I would give it 
for just because of what you said and as with you know bringing out those emotions and and clearly it was well written because it made me feel a lot of them but then part of my criteria for a five is like Aaron said recommending it to other people which I probably won't do and then do I ever want to read this again and no I don't think I do <laughs> so so no <laughs> I want to read and see what the heck you guys saw in Rue I don't think I will because I don't have the time but that's like, I was like, what am I missing in this Rue character? And I want to read it again to hate him even more. But anyway, uh, Rufat. You know, it's so funny that you both of you said that about recommending. Like just yesterday, somebody asked me, what are you reading? Can you recommend a good book? And I could not recommend this to her. I was like, I don't know if she's going to like it or not. And I don't know what is she going to think, but I like that book. So, or, you know, maybe not everybody is like that. So I ended up recommending her some other books. But I really like the book because I have to say after a long time, the book evoked the emotions that you're saying, Shanaz, and you guys are saying that really it was like I had to, when she pushed through, I had to pause the book. I was driving and I was like, you know what? I was hoping against hope that this wouldn't happen. And at the last minute, she would change her mind and she would, you know, I don't know, whatever, but that and then going on with the marriage even. And really, I think it talks about so much and it leaves so much unsaid. I don't know what kind of a woman she's going to be when she is in her 50s, 40s, 60s, nightmares about killing somebody. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There are so many things that make this book stay with you or uh, it's not a book that you're done and then you move on. Uh, it is a strong book. Uh, I liked it and I hated it sometimes that I liked it so much. Um, I would probably go for 4.5 to even 4.75 if there's any such rating. For myself, I would give it a five. But if I were to tell somebody or recommend it again, unless I know the person, I mean, that she or he will appreciate what I appreciate in the book, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not an open recommendation for somebody. See, that's why I put it in book club. It's, I recommended right. it's it. It's an amazing book all of you. to discuss. You're right. It's an amazing book to discuss. And to say if I would read it again, if I ever have time, I will read it again. I would like to go through her whole life again and see how did she end up where she ended. But I, I don't think I'll have time in the near future to do that. But yeah, I will read it again. <laughs> well, it was another successful book club. Right. Thank you all for coming, and I'm just going to call this as an official end to book club. And wasn't that fun? I thought it was a great discussion. I mean, sure, it was three to one, but I had a good time. Thank you for joining us upcoming for this podcast. This is uh, season four, and for the first time since starting this podcast, I have a micro podcast block, if you want to call it that. But no worries, I have my notes of bookish topics I want to cover, and I will be working on those. Also, I should be getting a bookstagram a friend of mine to do an episode or two with me. Yes, I will continue with month in review, but I have felt quite overwhelmed lately with the host of author interviews I have done. And uh, I'm not pushing publishers for more interviews. If they ask, I will do it, but I'm not planning on requesting an author interview for a bit. I'm trying to get caught up on reading. Yes, I know, that's an impossible task, but we can talk about that in a later episode. Stay tuned for bookish episodes. My husband told me he missed my episodes where it's just me, so... I'm going to do a few of those and we'll see how season four goes. Hope you all are well. Before I go, if you are on the audio app Clubhouse, please look up my name and follow me there. I'll be happy to do a room with you. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm. lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local favorite bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from bestsellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story. 
one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code LLTB podcast. With every listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you love this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. Join the conversation with me on the audio app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's a different kind of audio app, but it's still a good way to reach me. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S H A H N A Z A H M E D dot com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>